and everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dog that's in your lap. His Damon takes it to the wreck. Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, your host and the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com with free and paid subscriptions available. This is the first episode of the actual regular season. Eric Gunderson, who obviously has been on the show many times, you all know him. We recorded this about an hour after the end of the win over the Lakers on Sunday afternoon. So, as of this recording, the Blazers are 3-0. They've got games coming up against Denver, Miami, Houston, Memphis before they go on this road trip. So we thought it was a good time to just kind of have a little temperature check and vibe check. And, you know, obviously with them being 3-0 and and pulling out three close wins, I think the vibes and the feelings around the team are pretty good right now. We'll see how long that lasts. But it's been a lot of fun for the first week of the season. and. You know, Eric and I have a lot of stuff to get into, so let's get into it. It's it is a beautiful day, Sean. (laughs) It is a beautiful day. You cannot break my soul. Russell Westbrook is a gift. On this earth. You won't break my soul. My God. I'm so fucking... I, I, Westbrook... Westbrook saved the Blazers tonight. Obviously, Dame had Dame time, but they would have been nowhere without Russ. Eric, I wanted to bring you on. So, I mean, you're, you're you know, a pro- easily the most frequent guest on this program. You know, basically the de facto co-host most of the time at this point. And a couple weeks ago, after I got back from uh, Santa Barbara, I had you interview me to give you the inside scoop about what happened at training camp. I want you now to return the favor and give me the inside scoop about what the Lakers' faces were looking like after that game. I was making dinner, and I was listening to Lakers' faces for about 25 minutes. And there were some incredible, incredible moments Throughout that really took my breath away. I was laughing so Give hard. Give me some highlights. Um, what, the host of the Lakers Spaces show called him the Manchurian Candidate, which for those of you who don't know is someone who is like built to sabotage. <laughs> and so they called him that. Um, I heard a lot of... Lonnie Walker's taking too many shots, but at the same time, we need a third option. So it's good that he's aggressive. That was that was something that I heard. I like that tweet you sent me yesterday from that person that was like, Troy Brown Jr. is making his Lakers debut, and that's going to be, you know, he's going to be another aggressive <laughs> defender that, like, like this is already where they are. There were three games yes. in the season that they were already at, like, Troy Brown Jr. is coming back, and then also uh, Newsbreakers doing 
videos teasing that the Lakers are thinking about bringing in a, you know, (laughs) 10-year NBA veteran for a workout, and then that person that they're talking about ends up being Mo Harkless. Yeah, a a sponsored Mo Harkless. Update video. Just fantastic stuff. Oh man, it's it's so good. And uh lots of uh discussion about what their trade should be. Um that they should give up their picks because they're holding picks for quote unquote seventh graders in 2027 and 2029 and F them, forget those picks, trade for any number of it was it was Indiana or it's San Antonio or it's Charlotte. What's the San Antonio trade? I don't, they didn't even talk about who they were getting, uh, but they were talking about Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward coming to the rescue. It was so, so glorious. The need to get another five man uh, was mentioned because Anthony Davis cannot hold up as the five. They're already worried about it. They hate Thomas Bryant. They ran the gamut. Eric, you and I, one of the names that we have for ourselves is the accountability boys. And we're both, I think, mutually pretty good at holding each other accountable for our takes over the years on various platforms. Uh, Yeah, here it comes. We are three games into the season. Are you ready to take the L on thinking that the Lakers are going to be good? Yes, they suck. They're awful, and I, I, and I was the Blazers fooled. should have lost this game. The Blazers absolutely should have lost this game. All the turnovers, all the just kind of dumb, you know, mistakes. A couple of those fouls, like just ev- so many things. They, if they were playing a team that like had any competent shooters at all, they would have lost this game by twenty. Yeah, the Lakers were six for thirty-three tonight from three, and that was an improvement. Yeah, coming well. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was a little bit worse than the other night because they had a nine for forty-five performance the other night. Um, so th- they're shooting. Yeah, I think for the season they're like sixteen for ninety or something like that. Like they're they're like they're shooting twenty percent from three on the season. And oh, another spaces gem that I heard is where's Wenyan Gabriel? Hey, Blazer legend, man, he could help. I, I- I know he is a Blazer legend, but bubble legend, but bubble legend. Yeah. He actually had a moment against the Lakers in the playoffs, which is probably why they signed him. Cause he had like one dunk. He had like one runaway dunk. Cause he was starting for the Blazers at that time. Cause that's how bad the depth was on the Blazers. And I mean, they didn't even play Matt Ryan tonight who played a lot of minutes in favor of Troy Brown jr. The savior which, you know, Oregon Duck, shout out, but he is not the savior for this team. Nobody can save this team. LeBron and AD, in fact, played quite well tonight, and they have been playing well, and it doesn't matter at all. Like, I thought that my logic was, okay, these, if those two guys are healthy and they're getting their numbers and they're balling, like, they'll be in games. And they were they were in it tonight, but, like, the other guys just totally blew it for them. Beverly could not stay in front of Dame to save his life. Uh, Westbrook with the play of the game and the quote of the night as well, saying he wanted to go for the two for one with the Lakers up by two. Did you see Chauncey Billups afterwards saying that, you know, he was asked, I think about, it was Golliver that posted the video, but he 
uh, was asked about why he put Nurkic on Westbrook on the perimeter. And Chauncey just said, yeah, the plan was to just play off of Russ there. Chauncey, so, so, so Chauncey Billups, for those of you who haven't, you know, been around him as much as I have, Chauncey Billups is, for lack of a better term, he's a real hooper. Mm-hmm. And he's also, you know, one of the most legendary point guards of his generation and a guy that really kind of values a lot of old school basketball stuff and the kind of guy that, because of Russell Westbrook's stature in the league, is not going to come out and say something bad about a future Hall of Famer like Russell Westbrook, even if Russell Westbrook is clearly, you know, what he is right now. So for Chauncey Billups to come out and just outright say, yeah, we were going to play off of him. That was our plan after the game. It was just kind of staggering to hear. Yeah. I mean, you don't hear coaches, especially former players, former all-star players. At his position, too. Say those type of things. Yeah, yeah, at his position, it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, the, it's like a fraternity of like the point guard position, and they all, and it's like they usually all stand, but like a former MVP, a future Hall of Famer, a top seventy-five player of all time. Yes, all of the above, and they're just like, yeah, we don't care if he shoots because it doesn't matter, and I mean, it's true, it it doesn't matter, and it's. It's staggering how much what LeBron and AD are doing does not matter at all. AD was unbelievable tonight. He had six blocks, two steals, and ten rebounds. And he was diving to the rim. He was barely taking jumpers, to be honest. Like, he took that one that went viral that Nurk didn't, like, close out on. But, like... I mean, he was he was being aggressive. Anthony Davis, he was getting in passing lanes. He was causing turnovers. I mean, Dame had six of those turnovers along with his 41 points tonight because Anthony Davis was super disruptive. And and yet they shoot eight, they shoot 18% from three. And Portland was so sloppy tonight. And it just I think it just magnifies how awful the rest of the Lakers are. And you know, even Lonnie Walker had a good game. He was seven for thirteen from the field, and it still did not matter. Like, I'm in shock about how the Blazers won this game. I mean, Dame though. Yeah, I got, I think we got to talk about him. I think he's got. I think he's got his burst. I think he might be back. I think he might be back to being what he was before the surgery. Just a hunch. Yeah, and you know what? It wasn't just the media. You know, like, I remember being on a trip uh, for work and talking about how Dame was going to come back, and everyone was like, ah, oh, I don't know, man. He's old, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, there was just a lot of that. Just a, And it wasn't just Bill Simmons. It was it was a lot of freaking people that were like, I don't know, man. Like, you know what happens when guards turn 30? And he comes out after one bad game and goes for 40 in back-to-back nights I mean, I think he's going to win player of the week. Um, I I, I don't know who else is even in the vicinity right now of winning player of the week in the West. I could see Job getting it. And they also got, they lost by 42 points last night to the Mavericks. So I don't think he's going to get it. That that, that would certainly bode well for your prediction on our last pod that Dame is going to be all NBA. It's looking that way so far. This is our, you know, three game overreaction, small sample size theater podcast uh one thing that i thought was interesting that chauncey said the other night after the phoenix game 
about Dame was, you know, when he was asked kind of what the difference was between for Dame from the first night to the second night and how concerned he was or wasn't about how Dame shot in the first game, Chauncey said something interesting, which is that after the Sacramento game, he went back and watched the film and he said that he felt like the reason that Dame was getting tired by the end was because he was making second and third efforts on defense. I thought that was an interesting comment. I think Dame's defense has actually been quite good. I mean, it, it, he he's trying. He obviously has his limitations, but I mean, he got switched on to the LeBron for on LeBron on that last shot, and LeBron tried to out muscle him, and LeBron and and Dame was like, "You're not going to back me down." Forced a fadeaway jumper, and that missed. And he's been he's been grinding hard on the defensive end. He's using his hands a lot more. He's active with his hands. He's knocking loose balls a lot more than he ever has in his career. And I think everyone is buying in. And I think it starts with Dame buying in on the defensive end. And it also is accentuated by guys like Josh Hart, guys like Jeremy Grant Winslow. I mean, these guys are, are, are really working hard and they have their own limitations, but I mean, they don't come back in the Phoenix game without locking in on the defensive end. And, really, you know, forcing Aiton into contested mid-range jumpers, not letting Booker get everything he wanted, even though he had a great game, forcing Chris Paul into tough shots. I mean, and they did it again tonight, down eight in the last couple of minutes, and and they locked in on defense to to really win this game. I, you know, that can't go – that has to go – that has to be part of the story here for these, these first three games is – when they've needed stops, they have gotten them in all three of these games. Something that I've been thinking about, and I wrote this in my story off of the Sacramento game. Last year, this this was you know, pre-tank. This is like early on in the season when they were still going into the season trying to win and getting blown out every night. And, you know, it was Chauncey Billups' first you know month or whatever as a head coach. And something that he would say after a lot of those games is, there are ways that I'm willing to lose. And I felt like both of those first two games, you know, this Phoenix one, obviously that went into overtime that could have gone either way, but the Sacramento game was the one I wrote that about where if they had lost that game, you could have said, okay, they played hard. They defended well, they ran their stuff and Kevin Herter and De'Aaron Fox got hot from three and they made a bunch of shots and that's why they lost. You can't really do anything about that. That I felt like that would have been, an okay loss. And I felt like the Phoenix game would have been an okay loss too. This one, I don't, because of the turnovers, because of just a lot of that kind of stuff. I just, I, if they had lost this game, I wouldn't have felt great about this one for the Blazers. No. And how poor the Lakers shoot as a That's team. That's the thing. The Lakers are like, we can't even look at the Lakers as like, like, I think at this point we almost have to now put the Lakers. We were talking earlier about the schedule. And how after the uh, All-Star break, the Blazers have a bunch of games against like the Houstons and the Oklahoma Cities and the Utahs and the San Antonios and like all these teams that are going to be tanking. And these are games that they quote unquote should win and should just be penciled in for. I feel like we have to just put the Lakers in that category of every team in the league should go into a game against the Lakers feeling like they should win. 100%. I I don't think, I mean, the, the Lakers... I have watched, I think, pretty much every team so far in the first week of the season. I, I've seen bits and pieces of every team. 
and they're the worst team in the league right now. Like, they're just like, maybe Houston is worse. Like, just because, like, Houston plays zero defense at all, and they're just like an AAU squad. The Houston elite, as we like to call them. Yes. Um, but, but they are not, like, the Lakers offense is, like, it's offensive. It's, that's how bad it is. There's, there's almost nothing redeeming about it. LeBron and AD, like I said, have been scoring almost 30 points every game. Both of them. And it, it does not matter at all. And they're, they're working hard on defense. They're forcing turnovers. I mean, they, they kind of were sort of in the game against the Clippers until they put Kawhi in the game and he just ended it. But, ah, man, they're, they're awful to watch. I mean, Sacramento put up a good fight against the Clippers, last, a better fight against the Clippers last night. And it's, it's, it's bad, man. It's, it's really bad. They're awful. Yeah. And, and, and the thing, crazy thing is Utah's 2-0 and right now. With wins against teams that people thought would be in the playoffs in Denver and Minnesota. And so, like... I, mean, I Utah- said this on Twitter yesterday, but that it just gives me huge vibes of the first hinky process Sixers team in 2013-14 that started the year off 3-0 and and beat Miami on opening night when Michael Carter-Williams like almost had a quadruple-double in his NBA debut. That's what this Utah start... They're going to start... You know, they have these couple of wins early on. They're going to trade Conley at some point. They're going to shut down Jordan Clarkson at some point. They're going to get real about what they're trying to do. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Oklahoma City is playing uh, Minnesota today and they ruled Shea Gilgis-Alexander out with like a hip strain. So they're, they're already kind of trying to start riding the ship a little bit, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they 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 don't. It's, it seems like they don't need any help, but uh, you know, they were already zero two. But I, I guess they're trying to take advantage right now because um, you know, Indiana got a win yesterday. San Antonio got a win at Philly the other day. They're two and one. So Oklahoma City's taking the opportunity right now to to maybe create some room between themselves and the rest of those teams that are clearly trying to tank this season. I think we should probably talk about Nurk. Yeah, I think it's been this first three games, I think, has been pretty much the encapsulation of the whole Nurkic experience. He was bad (laughs) in the Sacramento game, and he was, for the most part, pretty good in the other two. And I still think he is the player that he is, and I think they have kind of a hard ceiling with him. But there are nights where he's going to give you a lot on that end. 100%. And, and, and look, I, I, I think against big dudes like traditional centers, I think that's when he's at his most useful. Like the matchup against Aiton was, was very – he was he was huge in that game. Obviously, he had his moments, and, and tonight he had him again, missing layups and kind of flailing around the rim a little bit. But, um, you know, you do have to give him credit. He still – he makes his free throws, which has been – He's made some huge free throws in these last two games, especially uh, getting fouled. And I, I do think uh, against Anthony Davis, you needed that extra size. But I do think against a lot of teams, we could continue to see more of what we saw against Sacramento with the Portland going small and and playing Winslow or Jeremy Grant at the five. What ha- you know, you can decide who the center is in that lineup. But I, I one thing too is that they just have a little bit more versatility. And I think credit to Chauncey who is willing to 
do some unconventional things. And I think that's some, a little bit of Ty Lu rubbing off on him where he's not afraid to go with like, you know, when the Clippers go with T- Terrence Mann at center, it's a kind of like what they do with Winslow or Jeremy Grant when they go at the five, like they just have a little bit more options with what to do tonight, or what to do with the roster and with lineups and matchups. And I, I can't wait to see more of it. And you hope Nurk continues to play his way into a better shape and, and, and also get a little bit more confidence around the rim. But we've also been saying that for about six years. Well, they've got Jokic tomorrow, so, you know, good luck with that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's going to be tough. I'm going to go ahead and make a, go out on a limb and make a prediction that the Blazers are not going to be undefeated after the game tomorrow against Denver. Yeah, that's probably a safe assumption. Coming home on second of a back-to-back um, against a, you know, MVP candidate. Jamal Murray has been a little rusty, but... He'll be fine. I'm not worried about him. No, I'm sure he'll be fine, but you know, it, it's, I think it might take him, you know, it, I think it's maybe good that the Blazers are getting Denver right now instead of in two All weeks. their games against Denver are pretty early in the schedule. Like I think they're done with them in December or maybe, maybe early January, but they're done with them pretty early in the schedule. I mean, that's pretty fortunate because Murray will round into form, but it, it does seem like he needs a minute right now. Yeah. Um, so just overall, like, you know, getting getting off the Lakers thing for a second, because, you know, that I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are going to enjoy what happened today. But just, you know, big picture, you know, you and I have both watched all three of uh, the first three games. We watched the first one together at my place uh, against Sacramento. We were both there on uh, Friday for the Phoenix game. We uh, both watched the one today. What are kind of some of your big picture, just overall takeaways so far of what you've seen from this team and how you think they look and what you think is sustainable, what you kind of would like to see get improved on, or just just kind of where's your head at right now as as an observer of the Blazers? I just love how hard they play. They play so hard on defense – they work harder than uh, most of the Blazers teams that from the past 10 years, they're def- they definitely play harder on defense than any team Dame has had. And their guys that play hard on defense are also not offensive liabilities. Like the guys that maybe did play good defense back in, you know, in Dame's career, like Alpha Rukaminu or Mo Harkless, where, you know, you couldn't just give those guys the ball like they gave the ball to Jeremy Grant tonight on the block and ha- and trust him to go make a play and and make something happen with the ball. Like that's not something that any of those guys ever did. And that's not something that, I mean even Josh Hart is getting to the basket and creating his own fast breaks when he gets a rebound. He had 16 rebounds tonight. Just just how hard those guys play. And then, I mean, the other big – Shaded Sharp. Yeah. Even though he's he's a kid and he still makes mistakes and has, has things that, you know, you'd like to have back, he plays really good defense. He moves his feet well. He does not get beat off the dribble. And 
he packed one on LeBron tonight. Like he almost had, he had one of my favorite, uh, my buddies and I have this uh, like house of highlights always post these like almost highlights where guys. Uh, like Yeah. I know what dunk. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He had an almost highlight that was like, would have blown all of Twitter up and like sharp getting minutes to me is the shocker of the first week. Like, yeah, they've won these games, but the fact that Sharp is in the rotation and playing every night is something I did not expect. So we actually asked Chauncey about that before the Phoenix game the other night. And Chauncey said that they kind of, he, what he, he termed it a second training camp, which is basically they had a week of practices between the last preseason game and opening night that he basically called, you know, he was like, this is like another little mini training camp as opposed to an extension of the training camp and the preseason that they had before. And he said that in that training camp, he felt like Jaden had made so many improvements defensively and that every time they scrimmaged, he felt like he was one of the best players out there. And after kind of that last week of training camp after the preseason, he just decided okay, I think this guy's ready for some minutes. I think we I think we can throw him out there and throw him in the fire. And he also said, and this is going back to something I think we've talked about before about one of the differences between Joe Cronin and his predecessor being that he's not going to force his coach to play a guy just because he drafted him. Chauncey told us that Joe went to him and said, look, if you think the best thing to do for Shaden would be to just not play him all year and redshirt him like, you, like we kind of did with Anthony Simons his rookie year, I'm good with that but it's all up to you whether you play him or not. And Chauncey just after training camp has decided, okay, this kid's ready to play. Let's, you know, let's throw him out there. And he definitely, you know, he had a rough game against Phoenix. He didn't really do much offensively. He had some fouls, but the other two games, he's looked like he just belongs out there, which I thought when I did my prediction, my first, the first prediction that I did on the last pod, the prediction one that we did before the season started I said Mm -hmm. that by the end of the season, the two rookies are going to work their way into the rotation. The Jabari thing, I think that's going to take a while. I've heard nothing, but he's had a good camp. They just only have so many guys they can play, so I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But even when I made that prediction, I didn't think it would be opening night in a game that could go either way, that is is still a competitive game and a close game. It isn't just garbage time that Shaden Sharp was actually going to be a real part of the rotation and getting serious minutes in the first quarter when a game is still unfolding and being decided. And I also know Chauncey well enough to know that I don't think he's going to put somebody out there just to develop him and not worry about the results because he still wants to win. So he's putting him out there because he trusts him. Yeah, which is, again, I mean, that's... I mean, you you thought that he was going to be part of the rotation. That was like one of your predictions. But, I mean, he's playing in the fourth quarter of these games. He's making big momentum-changing shots. I mean, uh, tonight he was a plus eight off the bench, which was a team high. Like, things could not have – like, this is a storybook first week of the season if you're a Blazer fan. Like – uh, it, it really is – you could not ask for things to go better. I mean, obviously, Gary Payton, too, is hurt. Trenton Watford's hurt. And you want – the and Saar had a, a surgery. Like, of course, you would want those things to, to work themselves out. But, I mean, they're playing nine guys right now, and it's it's really working. And, and 
obviously these games have been close, but I mean, they've been very good in crunch time in these games so far. They have a, they're plus eight over the four, three games that they've had. And that extrapolates out to plus 22 points per 100 possessions, obviously super small sample size, which is why I'm giving the total points. But right. I mean, they're, they're really grinding out there and, and it, they are running their sets and, and obviously they've had some clutch shots, but I think those clutch shots are happen or, or they matter because of what they're doing on defense in these games which I think can't be undersold that this team really is working hard on the defensive end and it's showing right now in wins. And the, the togetherness and the trust thing, you know, that's something that Dame talked about after the Phoenix game, when he told Ant to go take that last shot that ended up being the game winner. And that's something I would just look, I'm obviously not in LA for the game today, but I was looking at some of the quotes that I was seeing come across on Twitter. And he was saying the same thing about, that and I felt this way after the Sacramento game and I only feel this way more after the uh the next two games which kind of both went the same way but because remember in the I think it was in the second quarter of the Sacramento game they were up 14 they blew that lead and then it was kind of back and forth the rest of the way Last year's team, and I'm not, again, when I say last year's team, I'm not talking about the post-trade deadline, post-Dame getting shut down. I'm not talking about, like, the tank version. I'm talking about the beginning of last season team that was trying to be good, that had Dame, CJ, Covington, Norm Powell, Nurkic, like, that actually, you know, that had actually, like, guys that, you know, veterans, like, the, the, the beginning of the season version that some people said was the deepest team they'd ever had around Dame. That team... <laughs> If they had blown a 14-point lead in the second quarter to a team like Sacramento, I think that team would have just laid down and lost by 20. Oh, totally. That team didn't have heart. They lost their heart when they lost to the Nuggets in that playoff series, when Dame was God-level and they still lost because no one else could do a damn thing. And this team has spirit. This team has belief. I think the fact that they're all pretty young helps helps them. Dame is the oldest player on the team. I don't know if he's ever been the oldest player on a team that he's been on. No, he has not been. That has never happened. This is the first time that Dame has been like the vet on the team. And it's it's really, really incredible and fun to watch these young guys who are trying to prove themselves I mean, I even think about a guy like Jeremy Grant, who was mostly derided over the last couple of years because he was on the Pistons as a good stats, bad team guy. Like he can't carry an offensive load and create his own shot and do things on a good team, I think was the prevailing wisdom about him. And he had a, he had the biggest shot. He had the game winner tonight. He had some huge shots against Sacramento. He had a massive dunk against the Suns, even though he didn't really play that well offensively. Like I think just a lot of the, and and Josh Hart too, who's been traded a zillion times. Like these guys have something to prove and they're playing like it. Or even even a guy like Winslow is a guy that, you know, former lottery pick has kind of had kind of, for lack of a better term, the Miami prestige for a while. And then, you know, he gets injured a lot, doesn't really live up to that. And then he gets traded to Memphis, and then he's just kind of bounced around. He's on the Clippers for a little bit. 
And then when he got traded here, that was a trade that a lot of people thought was like, if you remember Blazers Twitter during, you know, right after that trade happened, the Norm Powell, Robert Covington trade, that was the worst trade of all time, according to a lot of people. Yeah, it was. I mean, the people were like, why would you do that? It's so dumb. I can't believe it. And Winslow ends up being the guy that ends up playing a lot. And and Keon Johnson was like, I mean, you were, you're there hearing more about Keon than I am from the coaches and about how, and, and Dame even, and he hasn't played a minute. And he was the sixth man in the preseason. I he mean, was the sixth man in the preseason. I think that that's just, uh, they have too many guys to play. I mean, it's the same reason. <laughs> Which who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this before on this program, the the too many guys problem. And now Portland kind of has too many guys. I I wonder, and this is also something I think we've talked about before, the idea that maybe they'll do something after December 15th or after January 15th when some people either on the Blazers or on other teams become trade eligible. But somebody like Keon Johnson, who just does like does not have a spot in this rotation, but has shown enough in the preseason that teams will think there's upside there. Like suddenly he becomes a guy that you can trade and not just as a throw in. Right. And, 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 and that is just opening up a lot more possibilities and it widens the deal zone to borrow a term from our friend, Wendy. And it's, this is, it's an exciting time right now. It's, it's an interesting time and they're just an interesting team, which for the longest time, I think that was like the, everyone knew what this team was and didn't really think beyond it. And now it's like, you don't even know what this team can be anymore. Like they're three and oh, but it's like, I feel like they have so much more room to grow still because they, they've won these games, but I don't really think they've played all that well in all of them as a group. Like Dame has been amazing. And hasn't been very good. I mean, he hit that big shot against the uh, Suns, but he's, he's not been shooting well so far. No, he, he had some moments against the, against the Kings, but he didn't really shoot that well. And I just think that, and and Ant too, just like I I was giving Dame credit, Ant has really worked hard on the defensive end. Where you know they there were some like ESPN plus minus had him ranked as the worst defender in the league last year. So and I know that defensive uh, catch all metrics are kind of bullshit, but that was like he is has really done well on the defensive end and and has been batting at balls and working hard on that end as well and. Um, if this team can like put it together as a team, I don't even know what, what, what we're looking at. I think, I think we still are looking at probably like six to eight in the West as currently constructed, but I also think they're going to do something before the deadline that might raise that ceiling a little bit, but that's also, I don't know, man, the West. It's still pretty deep. Like I, I, you know, I, I, Dallas, I think has looked pretty good so far. Uh, and that was a team I thought was going to take a step back. Memphis is definitely, I know they just got blown out by Dallas, but Memphis has looked pretty good so far. That's a team I think we thought was going to take a step back. We, I think, I think maybe we overrated how much losing DeAnthony Melton was going to hurt them because DeAnthony Melton has been pretty bad for Philly so far. Yeah. He also, I got to say, he doesn't really play like, 
There's not really a lot of room for any other guards to do anything on Philly right now. Like, even Tyrese Maxey isn't really doing shit because Harden is touching the ball like a hundred times a game. And Embiid and, like, Maxey and everyone else is touching it like set. Like, I think Embiid's touches against San Antonio was like 73 to 100 for Harden. And that also, too, has been hilarious just because... Not hearing a lot of Joel Embiid needs to do what's best for him from the national media right now. And that it's for his own good that he should leave Philadelphia. It's coming. Just wait. Because they're going to, if this keeps up, they're going to fire Doc. And then the team is probably still not going to be that good. And you can only blame Harden for so long. And Harden's been great so far. But that but that's going to be who they, that's going to be who the Sixers, I think, fan base pivots to blaming because they will blame anybody except for Embiid. Right. Embiid seems like he doesn't really like playing with PJ Tucker either. Like, uh, like there was some, uh, sorry to sound like Bill Simmons, but there, there was a lot of bad body language from Embiid. Like Jakob Pertl was just getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. And he just like, he could not care at all. Like to, to box out or do anything. It was just like, it was astonishing just to see the bad vibes and the vibes are awful right now. It, it, there's honestly, the vibes are pretty bad. A lot of places in the NBA at the moment. And Portland is one of the few teams at the moment that has tremendous vibes. And I think that just even you can make an argument about, you know, they probably should have lost this game today. Just being three and O if they lose to Denver tomorrow in a back-to-back, that's a team everybody knows is better than them, and they started off 3-0. and And this is something that I said on Twitter after this game today. Post-All-Star break, they have one of the easiest schedules in the league in terms of, like, they play a lot of, you know, a lot of their Utah, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Houston, those types of games are after the All-Star break. We had been saying since the schedule came out that if they can just get to Christmas around 500 then they're fine. And, you know, you look at their next week coming up, they have four more games at home, and three of them are against uh, Denver, Miami, and uh, Memphis. And then they have a road trip where they have Phoenix twice, New Orleans, Dallas, and Miami. So that's five of those six games. That they, have. they have a game against Charlotte, too, which they probably should win. But five of the six games on this upcoming road trip are against teams that are good, that are good or that are playoff teams. And so I still don't know how close to 500 or like, I don't want to say they should get to 500 by Christmas or be in range of 500. I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, but banking three wins to start off, you know, one of which it was against a team that's clearly, you know, on paper better than you and in, in Phoenix. And then two teams that I think with the Lakers and Sacramento, they're like thought of to be like roughly within the same range as you in the West hierarchy. Like, having those three wins banked like that, that just makes it a lot easier to, you know, they're going to lose some of these games coming up against good teams. And, you know, having that at least little bit of a cushion so that after every one loss that they have, like if they lose to Memphis coming up or they lose to Denver tomorrow, it's not going to be, you know, they won't be as, as much panic. I don't think. No. I mean, the fact that they had this is amazing. And I mean, I think even looking to tomorrow, it, it's it's what they call a schedule loss. It's just like when yes. when you get that, and, and and also like, I mean, they've played so many intense. Like all three of their games have been very intense, dramatic finishes, and uh, that can wear on you. So 
maybe, but but who knows? Maybe being at home, the home crowd, I think, will be geeked after tonight's win. I think it'll be a good crowd again. They always get up for Denver, too, because of all the different times they played each other in the playoffs. Yeah, so, you know, it would not surprise me if they won tomorrow, but they're definitely, you know... It, the, the things are working against them for sure. The schedule and 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 the type of games that they've had to play do are working against them heading into tomorrow night. But I mean, this team they just seem to be in it all the time. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the week. Like you said, it's it's a tough schedule, and it's going to be some really good tests against teams that are you know three teams that I think all have like aspirations to go to the finals in in all three of those teams really so we were both there on friday night for the home opener against the suns i was obviously covering it as media you were there just as a fan watching it what was your read on just the vibes of the building and you know just the vibes just in general that night because to me this was the first time that it really felt like a real portland home crowd since well before the pandemic, like we might even be talking about going back to the 2019 playoff run was the last time that the arena was this loud and this packed. Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely am with that. Uh, the vibes in there, it felt like a real like blazer night. I mean, it was, it can get cold in the Mona center. Cause it's like a, it's like a sustainable lead certified building. So that, it, but it was hot in there on Friday night. Like it, the heat was on, and it was people screaming defense the whole game. Uh, I mean, Dame got the crowd going with 28 in the first half. It was tremendous, the energy in there. Like, that was – I totally agree with you. It, it it has to be back to the 2019 playoffs, uh, that game six that they had back at home before to, to send it back to Denver or against the Warriors, those games where it got crazy loud, like – it was a special atmosphere and you know, that's, it, it's not like that everywhere at the NBA and you felt that on Friday night. Like you felt like that crowd was really special and really in it and really motivated. And when Dane got introduced, I mean, I felt like the place, the roof was going to come off the place in the opening during the, uh, the pregame uh, introductions. Dame also having the I'm back game in the home opener. I'm just imagining because, you know, they went to overtime and obviously Ant kind of had the big shot, but Dame had a floater that rimmed out at the buzzer at the end of regulation. If Dame had hit a game winner <sighs> in regulation to cap off the game that he had, like <laughs> that's the only way it could have been more of a storybook uh, ending. Yeah, and he was like off balance, like twisting while he yeah. was shooting it and it's and it still almost went in it like it would have been like that one that lebron had against the raptors on og ananobi where he's like yeah, twisting fading yeah yeah he's like twisting fading somehow gets the angle like i couldn't believe it was even that close uh to be honest with you because I, 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 they didn't have any timeouts and man but uh yeah the energy in the building and it just felt like no one in the building thought they were really like, even when they were down 16, like no one really thought that they were out of it yet. And it was like, it just felt like a blazer game again. And it was really fun. 
Yeah, it's just it's nice to just have that. I get I don't know how good the team is gonna be still. I even after the three and start, I haven't suddenly adjusted my thinking and said, Oh, I think they could be a top four seed in the West. I still don't think that. I still don't think the talent is, you know, where it is for like the Warriors or the Clippers or the Nuggets or some of these teams that are ahead of them in the West uh, on paper. I still don't think they're that good. I still think that, you know, I've said I think they're a play into low end of the playoffs team, and I still think that, but just it just feels different than it's felt over the last couple of years. Because, I mean, last season, even before the tank and before Dame got shut down and before all the trades and stuff, the building was just empty most of those nights. But, you know, not for a lot of different reasons. Some of it was people were, you know, still mad about, you know, the coaching hire and stuff. And then, you know, when the Neil investigation was happening and then, you know, the team was getting blown out. And then also, I think you can't discount this, the COVID part of it, which... At the time, this is like when Omicron was just, you know, taking over and there were all these outbreaks. And I think a lot of people quite understandably didn't really uh, feel like going to games, even with the mask mandate that was there at the time. People didn't really feel safe going to a 20,000 seat arena. And I can't say I really blame anybody for feeling that way at that time. But it's all pretty much like this felt like a 2019 crap. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a blast. It was it was a throwback crowd. It it felt like real blazer, uh, real blazer mania. Like it was just like it was it was like that. And I I like yeah. I mean, it's a great start to the season. Great week one. Still a long way to go. As you've said, this schedule in the first half of the season is brutal. So you know they could very well be three and three after this homestand that they've got here. But to see them fight and to just like the style of way of play that they play, I mean, fast breaks are back for the Blazers. Like Dame in the Dame era, the past 10 years, this has never been a good fast break team. They've never been good at getting the ball and scoring in transition. Like their best play in transition is like a Dame trail three for the past 10 years. And now they're sprinting down the court, getting layups, getting dunks, alley-oops, like stuff that gets the people going and also is fun to watch. And it's really fun to watch this team play the style that they're playing and and they're winning while they're doing it, which has been, uh, you know, an, an unexpected surprise. But And I also want to say... Shout out to eliminating the take foul. Yes. I mean, oh my God. That's been style, the best. Oh, oh my God. The fact that, I mean, it happened in the Phoenix game. Chris Paul stopped a fast break out of, you know, old habit. And it ended up being a technical foul and the Blazers get the ball. And it's like, I love that shit. Cause it's just like, it's so, it was so like, leave that shit in the Euro league for the coaches that are obsessed and are control freaks. Like, let the NBA be the NBA, man. Like, that's part of what makes it fun is the fast-breaking basketball. Like, those commercials in the 80s. Like, the NBA, it's fantastic. Like, nobody was screaming at the take. No one was, like, getting happy at the take fouls. Like, getting rid of that shit has made every game infinitely more watchable. And the Blazers are, you know, they're playing really well in that setting. And they've taken advantage of those new rules as well. This is, I think, the most impactful rule change that we've had since however many years ago. I think it was after like 
2014 or 2015 or one of those Clippers playoff runs where teams like in the fourth quarter teams would just foul DeAndre Jordan before the ball was even in bounds and just put him on the line and, it, and you know fourth quarters would take like 45 minutes to be played because it would just be DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond or Dwight Howard or whichever bad free throw shooting center you wanted to name just taking free throws the entire time and then they made it so that if you foul somebody away from the ball it's one shot in the ball and that I think cleaned a lot of that stuff up that's what this is and I think it's going to have a similar positive impact on the game just across the board yeah, no, it, it, it's been super positive for the entire league. It's been so much more fun to watch games. And it, I just love that the Blazers are are really, are, are just playing a different style. And even when they get in the half court, though, they're running good sets. They're running those classic, you know, Dame cuts across two screens at the top of the key to get a, a shot on the wing. And they're still running some of those things that Terry would run, but they're just a lot more active on defense and they run. And I think Hart uh, honestly has been the guy that really pushes that pushes the tempo. I mean, against Sacramento, he won that game with a play to put it away when Sacramento was like jogging back on defense. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to the rack and, and gets a dunk and puts the game away. Like, the, and, and Winslow, I think, is also really good at pushing the pace. So I, I, I can't wait to see more of it. And I think I think everyone on the Blazers is going to benefit. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. We needed to come back. We needed to do a little three games into the season vibe check. Vibes really could not be much better right now. I don't know how long that's going to continue. But I would imagine that most people listening to this who are Blazer fans are probably loving life right now. So we'll be back in... Uh, at some point in the next week, we're going to, we're going to do another episode. We'll see kind of where things are at, but as always, everybody, rosegardenreport.com subscribe, free paid, whatever subscriptions you want. I've seen a lot of growth in opening week. I appreciate everybody who's subscribed. Uh, the podcast you can get on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get podcasts. Eric, uh, thanks for doing this again. It was my pleasure. <laughs>